0: Welcome to Clocking In, Forces of NC Manufacturing. I'm your host, Phil Mintz, Director of the North Carolina Manufacturing Extension Partnership, otherwise known as NCMEP. My role is to drive outreach to NC manufacturers, build relationships to federal and state leaders and coordinate efforts to drive profitable manufacturing growth in North Carolina. Throughout my time working closely with manufacturers, I have heard the most quirky, curious and memorable stories. I wanted to turn these stories into a podcast so that others may hear and be informed and inspired from humble beginnings to manufacturing Titans, from tragedy to triumph. I will be interviewing some of these manufacturers who have made North Carolina manufacturing the powerhouse that it is today. fortunate enough at this time to have uh, Phil Shoemaker, who's the executive director of the Polymer Center of Excellence down in Charlotte, North Carolina. We've been working with the Polymer Center as a partner for for many years, and uh, Phil's come on board and really helped to enhance that program. So welcome to the program, Phil. So what do they do at the Polymer Center? Well, we do five things.
1: We do a lot of extrusion work. We do a lot of compounding, And we do a lot of sheet and film work on the extruders. We do a lot of compound development, so anywhere from little tiny batches of 10 pounds all the way up to 1,200 pound-an-hour of full truckload quantities. We also do injection molding. We don't injection mold for profit. We just uh, injection mold for our own test lab. But, of course, we have three machines there. Two of them are state-of-the-art and one of them is Industry 4.0. It's a Toshiba, also is uh, one of our machines, and it's a state-of-the-art all-electric machine. That particular aspect of our business plays into two roles, one, the injection molding for the lab, as I mentioned, and the other, of course, for our training programs, since we do a lot of training in both extrusion and in injection molding. And in the training programs, both will be done at our facility as well at the customer's facilities, and sometimes we'll bring in outside trainers such as RJG or Paulson to come in and do their classes since we have a hands-on lab. In addition to those two uh, or three uh, activities, we also do uh, a lot of testing. So we can tell you what a polymer is, we can tell you what its physical properties are, and we can tell you when you melt it how it flows. That pretty much rounds out our, our capabilities.
0: Yeah. So. How do you get your customers in there? I mean, do they just kind of know that you're a lab and they can develop from you uh, through various networks or do people kind of walk walk in the door? Well, you
1: know, we've noticed a few things over the years. Uh, first off, we feel like we're one of the best kept secrets in North Carolina. Yeah,
0: I can identify with that.
1: So (laughs) There's a lot of those. Yeah. So we've been trying real hard not to be a secret. The most effective advertising that we've undertaken in the last five years actually has been through social media. And I suppose to the younger generation, that is absolutely nothing surprising. Frankly, the biggest method that people use to find us is word of mouth. Mm -hmm. We do a lot of work with a different with different companies in different contexts, and because of that,
0: the word inside the industry kind of gets around. So, talk a bit about where you see the direction of the polymers industry. How are people using plastics and polymers different than they were back in the day?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. You know, plastics is the fourth largest manufacturing sector in North Carolina. And that includes both the manufacture of raw plastic and, of course, the manufacture of plastics goods. So it's a huge sector of this manufacturing industry that we're attending the conference of today. The directions that we're going, though, are, it's, it's interesting. The training classes, for example, when I first started, we did a lot of training of entry-level operators, and that just it still happens, but it's not nearly as common. Anymore, the larger companies have their own internal training classes, and the people they send to us are the most advanced operators. And this has forced us to retool our whole training program and aim, aim it more at the advanced level operators uh, and engineers uh, rather than the entry level. Some of the other directions that are going, there's increased scrutiny of the polymers themselves, Sometimes they're not running consistently or, or perhaps there's been some sort of change in them and people come to us and they find that we can tell them the subtle differences lot to lot from the different materials that they receive. And then, of course, the largest segment of our business, which is extrusion, has been growing at an astounding rate. A lot of demands for new polymer Combinations which we can do. We have state-of-the-art extruders, and so we can put together different compounds to address different needs for different customers. Unfortunately, every one of those is covered by NDAs, so we really can't discuss the customer application. Let us know what. what (laughs) No, I can't, (laughs) not without violating the NDAs. But, but what I can say is, we usually have as customers people who have come to us with an idea. To develop a new compound, and then once we develop it, because it's covered by the NDA, they don't fear that that we will go outside and sell to their competition, mm-hmm. and that's been probably the biggest yeah. unique selling point of our compounding operation.
0: Yeah, I mean we're we're we have the same thing. I mean people see us as an independent, you know, non-competitive, you know, program that can help them. And that's that's valuable, and uh, we're glad to be able to have a part of that. You know, I know you do some. You've been around in Charlotte area in North Carolina for a while, but you know, your work extends beyond the state. It does, of course. Most of our customers, I did a
1: scatter chart not too long ago of where our customers are, and not surprisingly, you'll see clusters. And the biggest one will obviously being in in and around North Carolina, since we're sort of word of mouth, but also some clusters up in the in the upper Midwest, in Ohio and Michigan, where you see a lot of plastic processing going on. So, obviously, we're helping out people who are there. And further, a lot of the customers who we have are very large, sometimes multinational companies, and we work with only one of their branches. Mm-hmm. So, because we're working with one branch and that individual transfers to a different one, then that that branch that's not in North Carolina will suddenly... You know, appear on our radar, so to speak, and we'll do work with them as
0: well. So, what is the what do you see as the future of kind of plastics and the polymers use? I mean, there's, you know, you hear talk about things are, that are not biodegradable, and we want to go to something like that. I mean, is there some sort of a trend there that you see that's going to be things will happen a little differently in that arena?
1: Well, there's a huge push on uh, on making plastics. Well, let's just stop for one second. The reason why you see this tremendous gl- growth of plastics, and it's replacing wood, metal, and glass, and so many different things, is because it has these wonderful physical properties. It doesn't degrade. It's, it's solid. It's, it's uh, often UV resistant. It doesn't rust. So there's this tremendous push to substitute other materials with plastics. And... Unfortunately, those same properties that, that we like about them also make them uh, unfriendly to natural processes of degradation. And so, the idea to, is to try to preserve the properties that we like about the plastics, but then add something to it so that over time it too degrades. Um, now, of course, most of it ends up in a landfill and nothing degrades, newspapers don't degrade in a landfill. so. What really I think you'll see in the coming years is an effort to modify the plastics enough that in when they're exposed long-term to water environments and or sunlight, or perhaps the combination of the two, that those two elements acting together will further enhance the degradation of the polymers. Because really the big problem is, so much of the plastics is what they call waste 95% of the plastics materials made are not recycled and, and that's a big problem energy recovery looks like a another promising avenue the problem there is you end up with your co2 emissions and you have to put huge scrubbers on the on the uh, on the incinerators. So there's there's no easy answer to what you just asked me. I'm sorry.
0: Uh, oh, it's terrible. But anyway, I know whatever the answer is, the Polymer Center is going to be right there. I know there's a lot of different types of projects that you're working on. And there's a lot of excitement there. And, and we're really glad for what you guys do over there for the state of North Carolina and our North Carolina manufacturers. And so I appreciate you stopping by talking with me about a little bit of that and continue to look forward to continued partnerships with you and your staff.
1: Well, we couldn't be happy.
0: being part of that and thank you so much phil we're glad to be there okay great thank you for joining today's clocking in voices of nc manufacturing this podcast is brought to you by nc state's college of engineering the north carolina manufacturing extension partnership and industry expansion solutions if you'd like to learn more about the solutions ncmep offers go to www.ncmep.org want to listen to previous Clocking In podcasts, go to ncmep.org slash clockingin.